Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Join me now for The Upcoming's 43rd episode, straight out of California, just like myself. He is an alum of UC Davis, a bachelor's in English, and he was just so heavily involved uh, in campus. He even became a member of the Sigma Delta Alpha fraternity, for all you frats out there. He served uh, freelance work for multiple different production companies and is now serving as the um, project coordinator for Northeast Community Clinic. And he's even the biggest one, in my opinion, because I, I have in this field too, is co-host in the Bonus Room podcast, where he and his crew just dive into everything from sports, politics, you know, it's happening big right now, everything. So just absolutely no restraints. He's just full in on just bringing us his amazing insights and opinions on everything. So now he's bringing that here and I can't wait to be chatting with him. So everybody, the incredible Mr. Stefan Lozano. How's it going, Stefan? It's going good. It's going good. Thank you so much, Jonathan for having me man i love the introduction i appreciate it and yeah man super excited to be on your podcast i know we've been talking about this for a while but finally you know the stars aligned and we were able to sit down and and, and get it done but appreciate being here and i'm excited to get going yeah me too man so i know i introduced you but in my show after that i always let my guests introduce themselves so please tell me in your own words who and what exactly are you well, uh, my name is Stefan, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, specifically North, Northeast LA, uh, a community uh, named Highland Park. Um, you know, grew up in LA, uh, surrounded by a lot of Latino culture. I'm Latino myself. Um, and, you know, uh, I have always had an interest in the creative arts. Uh, I've always been uh, interested in music. I uh, played clarinet growing up. I played it throughout my uh throughout middle school, high school, and into college. Uh, I've always been interested in film. Um, I call myself a fanatic of film. You know, I, I watch everything, almost anything that comes out, I, I try and watch. Um, so I've been heavily influenced by the arts. And so it's kind of, uh, that's how the podcast, The Bonus Room, got started. Because uh, I was fortunate enough to, the, the house I grew up in, in Highland Park, my parents had this extra room, um, like in towards the front of the house. I was separated from the main portion of the house. And so growing up, that was like when I was in middle school, that's where like I had the, my friends over to have sleepovers and high schools, like, you know, the kick it room to, to just hang out, chat, watch some TV, watch some sports. So after I moved back from college, you know, I thought it'd be uh, especially during COVID when the pandemic hit and everyone was, you know, staying home and sheltering in place. Uh, I decided it's a perfect opportunity to turn this place into a recording studio. Uh, that's what we did. Uh, my older brother and I uh, were partners in it. And, you know, we just realized that our social circles were very diverse. We had, a, we had a lot of people who had different backgrounds and were interested in different 
things and have their own niches. And so we thought it'd be a great idea to, you know, have them on and talk about their particular interests and kind of dive deep into what it is and what they do just to give the general audience, you know, an insight into something, um, you know, new and interesting. Um, but I mean, uh, a lot of our podcasts do focus around sports because that is a, a mutual interest that my brother and I share and a lot of our friends share. And then, um, as well as uh, movies, we talk about movies all the time. Um, you know, I watch, we watch the academies every year. So anytime the, the nominees come out, we try and discuss them and, 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 and uh, dive deep into who we think should win for the particular categories. And, uh, and yeah, we do music. We do politics. We do it all. So um, it's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really interesting. Everything, man. It's it's insane. It's insane. But, um, you know, Stefan, I know just already that you're a man who, like, once you get interested in something, you just go all Mm -hmm. the way, just diving deep into it, just um, fully um, consuming it. So... Why is it? Um, what is it about the certain things like, let's say, movies or music that really um, pique your interest the most that you uh, just fully dive into it? I just uh, I love art that really engages you, that challenges you, and so I think two of the best um, versions of art that do that are music and film. So, um, Music is really left up in, uh, left uh, up to interpretation, you know, by the listener, um, you know, along with lyrics and 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 um, and different rhythms. You know, you everyone interprets interprets and digests it in different ways. So you know, it, it sparks conversation. You know, on you know who we think has like, for example, in hip hop, who has the best flow, or who had the greatest album, or you know who is really at the top of their game. And when it comes to cinema, you know, it's very similar where it's it's. You know, usually there's a central theme and just particular message that the director or the writer is trying to convey in their film. But really, 10 people can watch a particular film and 10 people can have different opinions in the way it made them feel and what they interpreted um, through the film. So I just think that art is very engaging. And so um, I think it's, it's a good it's a good art to discuss. And so that's why film in particular is, is really fun to discuss because um one of my favorite genres is horror. So I know one of our episodes, one of uh, the episodes we did is we did like a, a Halloween themed episode where we discussed it, our favorite horror films and why and the, the intricacies of the different elements of the film that made us feel, you know, um, a certain way, you know. Um, so I think that's why film has been like the topic of a lot of our different uh, episodes, just because it's just so engaging and it's and it's, it's it's a great conversation starters and you can really dive deep into you know, how the director, right, how the director used certain music at certain uh, periods of the film to convey a certain message or convey a certain emotion or why the writers decided to include a certain scene and, and how it related to the overall theme of the story. And so I think picking apart those those elements of the film are really interesting to do, and um, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy it, too. That's why um, I, too, um, love. It's, it's also cool just watching, like, um, behind-the-scenes um, mm-hmm. videos, too, of where directors and producers and writers just all, like, chop down different scenes, different characters, and, mm-hmm. like, why each of them are, like, significant. So yeah, it's really, really fascinating. 
Just random question. What is your favorite horror sure. movie? Man, you know, uh, that is a question I get asked a lot. And I just, it's it's so cliche to say, but it's Halloween. Um, it's, it's a common okay. favorite out there. A lot, of, a lot of people say Halloween is their favorite, but it's just for me, it's just, it was one of the first horror films I ever saw when I was like young. I think I was like 12 or 13 years old when I watched it. And I was like, wow, like this is art, you know? Um, just because the way they use the music in the film, I mean, anyone can, anyone recognizes a Halloween theme, even if they've never seen the movie, everyone knows that, that, uh, that piano that plays a certain yeah. melody over and over and over, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so recognizable and it's, and it's stood the test of time. That movie came out over 40 years ago now, 45 years, I think this year. So, um, it's just, it was one of the films I saw as a kid where I was amazed and it was, it was more than just the blood and the killing because you know that's in any horror movie it's just the way it was filmed and um the way it was presented i just i, I fell in love with it so it was kind of my introduction into horror so since it was like yeah. my introduction I, halloween is my favorite yeah who directed that one was it uh, john carpenter or someone else john carpenter yeah he he wrote directed and um scored the films so he really he he really he did everything involved. for that movie yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he had his co-writer Deborah Hill, who co-wrote it with him. But overall, he did the directing himself and um, did the music himself as well. But you know, I gotta um, ask you about this, um, Stefan, because I was watching a, a couple of um, videos about um, breaking down like horror and why a lot of horror mm-hmm. movies might not, you know, add up to others. And one thing that's mm-hmm. definitely true about horror is there's not just, you know, the scariness or like the monster thing, but just as sort of, one one argue that there was a certain amount of like, um, there's always a sense of eeriness or like just uncertainty that mm. really drives horror. But I want to hear your opinion on what really just could sell like a film, like a film that is just like an excellent, excellent horror. You know, I think um, horror has changed so much and like, in the past 30, 40 years, you know, it's, it's kind of had its, its different eras. So Halloween kind of sparked like the slasher era of the eighties that included like the night nightmare on Elm Street films, Friday 13th, uh, camp blood scream, all that. So uh, Texas chainsaw, well, chainsaw came out prior to Halloween seventies, right? Yeah. It was like early seventies. I want to say it was 1972. Um, and another great film, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If you haven't seen it and you're a fan of like horror, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first original one is, is, is really um, Halloween. I think just really popularized it because there were there were films like Psycho even pre- prior to the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was considered sort of a slasher. Um, so Psycho was kind of like the first and then you had Texas and Halloween. But um, to answer your question, um, Nowadays, you know, uh, one of the last really great horror film I saw came out last year was called Smile. Um, you might have seen some of the promotion for it. Uh, people with like the be- big weird smile. And it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. And, you know, that, that film touched on a lot of like uh, contemporary, like um, contemporary like ideas. Like because, you know, now in, in today's in today's environment, everyone discusses mental health and the importance of like mental health and how we deal with trauma and, and how we deal with anxiety. And that movie took trauma and anxiety and turned to a monster. <laughs> and so I don't want to say too much about the film, but 
it's it's one of those films that it not only it's not only what's happening on screen it's also what they decided to do with like the uh like not it's not music but the sounds they had like they were using certain frequencies that kind of twist your mind and so when i walked out of that theater like I was left like kind of in this haze where like it was it was it's hard to describe where like it was I wasn't like this is like frightened but if you're just left in this haze because you're overwhelmed with like sound and and this and these visual visceral images that in the film that you're kind of like a sensory overload and afterwards you're just like kind of kind of stuck so um it's films like that that kind of push the boundaries of what horror is because you can see any cheap horror film nowadays that includes like a clitter uh, or uh, a killer, some blood, some teen, some dumb teenagers, and it's an hour and a half, and you call it a day. You know, you get your blood, you get your your murders, and it's over. But you know, it's it's films now that like take the social commentary commentary of what we're currently living in and twist it in a way that makes it frightening. And so, I think Smile did a really good job of that of doing that. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen yeah. Smile, check it out. Yeah, it, that movie makes you see a person like like actually smiling, and it makes you want to run for it. Honestly. Oh yeah, the, yeah, and the smile. I'm not gonna spoil it, but the smile monster. Oh my god, like, terrifying. You you get like you you swear that person the um, person who created monster like they took notes from like Guillermo del Toro or something. Oh yeah. Because, oh yeah, for sure. Because he's, he's, he's pretty... Frightening. He could make a killer horror himself, you know? Yeah. But, and, and I love the ending, too. Um, the ending is, like, original. So that's all I'll say. Like, it's, it's an original ending. So that's that's what makes it all so good. Okay. But, you know, it's not just um, movies, as we've made it quite um, clear for you. But, like you said, <laughs> also music. You know, because people do crave that sort of, like, or it's just like with movies. People create a sort of originality or a sort of uniqueness to um, to an artist, whether it be in you know rock, rap, um, pop, country. Just someone who's able to be like different from everybody else. So when you've heard um, a particular artist, what made you realize like this person is completely different from everybody else? Forget everybody else. This one, I know this one any day of the week. Yeah, you know, um, similar to how I perceive films, you know, I, I, I love artists who, who push the boundaries of their genre. You know, um, first one that comes to mind is like Kendrick Lamar. Like everyone loves Good Kid Mad City. To me, Good Kid Mad City is probably like my favorite hip hop album of all time. And then he follows that up later with with uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, which is like a hip hop jazz fusion album. And it's like, unlike any, it's, it, we haven't heard hip hop in that way, or at least I hadn't um, ever. And so me also being a jazz fan, like hearing both those genres kind of like come together and, and To Pimp a Butterfly, I was just, I was amazed. And so to me, Kendrick Lamar is is, is, is the top in his game in that. Um, so, and, and similar with other artists, you know, I'm a big uh, EDM fan. Uh, so when you, when there's a lot of mixing of genres in that genre, because you have the whole umbrella of EDM, but then you have like the techno genre, the trance genre, house, trap, dubstep. So you have all these different sub genres so of EDM. So 
and they're all like mixing, mashing, and it's it's incredible what you can hear from from some of those like mashups of different genres. So I, I enjoy like all sorts of music. I love it all. Um, I'm even starting to get into country now because I was not a big country fan going up, but um, I heard a couple of Luke Combs songs recently, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's not it's not too bad. It's actually kind of good. So it was Casey I love it all. Me. Really. Yeah. Okay, I haven't heard I haven't heard any songs by him, but I have to check him out. Yeah, Casey Musgraves. She yeah, for me she she, she sold me on that one. Really? But I definitely yeah, I definitely get you on artists. I, I still and you were you were absolutely right about Kendrick Lamar. I I still don't know how he does it when it comes to his mm-hmm. lyrics. Like he's yeah, he just has a style that's just like impossible to imitate. Like he, I haven't heard anyone like him. Never, I haven't. I've never. Heard, I've, he's, he's like I said. He's he's one of a kind. He's like that mm. once in a lifetime uh, rapper right there. That you just every time you hear, you just know it's him. That's um, yeah. I think there's some bias being an LA kid, you know, from Compton, and like I'm I'm an LA kid from from Northeast LA, so I definitely have some like West Coast bias when people compare him to like the Drakes and the J Coles and the Jay Z's world. But to me, I just I. Almost every album Kendrick has has produced, I've loved all of them. So, pretty consistent. But what gets me thinking back on you, uh, Stefan, because you were playing clarinet for a really long time. So, you know, when you were playing out musical instruments, like how? um, And because I know you guys are interested, can you can you tell us a time where you yourself tried to you know do something different, tried to like go um, a certain way, a different way with? you did instruments yeah for sure yeah so i mean growing up in um or going through middle school and high school playing the clarinet most of the music we performed in like my band classes were either classical pieces or like pop pieces or you know like pirates of the caribbean or like famous musical scores and so i've always had kind of this like subtle interest in jazz because i heard guys like john coltrane and and uh duke ellington um so I've always kind of had this like small interest in jazz, just never had the opportunity to like learn how to play jazz. So then when I was finally in college, uh, there's a jazz band that you can join and they kind of, you know, taught you how to play jazz. And, um, you know, jazz is all about improvisation. So it's one of the few genres that, um, you know, as long as you stay within key, you can play whatever you want when it's your turn to play. You know, it's like, um, I think the film La La Land, if you haven't seen it, but there's a scene there where like Ryan Gosling kind of explained to Emma Stone, like what's happening in the jazz session. And so you're all playing the same song. Everyone has melodies or rhythms to play to um, contribute to the overall set of playing. But then everyone gets a moment to just go on their, their own like high to just play whatever they want as long as they're within key. And so I got to learn that in college. And so that was really fun for me because, you know, I'm as a musician, musician, I like to read music. I'm really good at reading music. You put a piece in front of me, I'll, um, I'll read it once and, and I'm pretty good at it. But then in jazz, it's, there's, you know, you have music in front of you, which is the overall structure of the song. But then it's your moment to do whatever you want. And so that was kind of different for me. And making that adjustment was really hard because, you know, I was trying so hard to be creative because I thought I like, I got to do something like that Coltrane does or, or that Miles Davis does when really you just got to feel it. It's Music is a lot of feeling. And so kind of making that transition and, and learning how to play like good improvisational jazz in college was, was a lot of fun. And I miss it to death. 
Um, I hope once my like calendar clears up, you know, when I'm, when I'm not pursuing like end days or focus so much on my career, I'd love to go to like the, the baked potato in North Hollywood and just on an open mic night, just join the, join the sash with the clarinet and, and, and kind of relive some of those moments I had in college. Beautiful. Beautiful. And actually, I want to ask you a little bit about um, more about when you were in, uh, in college, because I know you were heavily involved uh, while you were studying at UC yeah. Davis. So um, mm-hmm. each each club, each uh, group that you were with, how did you feel each of them like shaping you, growing you and like expanding uh, your interests? Oh, yeah, for sure. So. Um, I was actually a transfer. So I, after I graduated high school, I went to community college for a couple of years, um, really grew a work ethic, worked part-time and, um, did my studies and, you know, really developed a work ethic that I thought really, um, helped me go into like a four year and, and really be successful in that. So when I, when I transferred it to Davis, um, I knew I wanted to be involved in something. I wasn't really quite sure what yet. Um, so I went to a couple of like open house meetings for the various clubs they had on campus. Um, but I got to know a, a fraternity by the name of Sigma Delta Alpha, and they're a, a Latino-founded or- organization. That's uh, it's a multicultural organization, but it was primarily a first-generation uh, Latino students who were part of the fraternity. And so, uh, me, me growing up, I wasn't too in touch with like my Latino culture because um, my dad is from Colombia; he's first generation. Um, but my mom, who's who's Mexican, he's like fourth, fifth generation. Like my Mexican side of the family has been in America for a long time. So a lot of those like native Mexican cultural um, identities, I didn't really identify with. So a lot of the guys who were in that fraternity did have, you know, did identify with like some of those like native Mexican uh, culture. So it was an opportunity for me to like learn more about my own culture. Um, you know, learn some of the different experiences that first generation students um, experience by going to college and, and, and being out on their own. So it was a great opportunity for me to just learn more about my Mexican heritage. And then also just meet a lot of different people from different backgrounds. Um, there were brothers from Southern California, from Northern California, from all different parts of Mexico. So it was, it was really, it was really interesting to experience that. And then it's, it's, it's not only that, but also trying to build a network within UC Davis because uh, UC Davis is a huge school. I think it has like 40,000 students. So it's easy to get lost in like a university like that. But it's really, um, it's really nice to find your own kind of niche of people um, that you can relate to on the, on a deep level and, and kind of guide in whenever your studies got really tough or your classes got really tough. You know, it was, it was, it was a good, it was a good place to decompress. Um, and yeah, and exposed me to other things like, uh, you know, I was also a radio disc jockey at uh, my university. Um, so we had our own radio station. So my final year there, I uh, became a DJ and hosted my own uh, radio show for about, I think it was an hour a week. It was so much fun. I was actually called the bonus room. That's where like the bonus room podcast got its name because when I was thinking of what to call my radio station. I thought the bonus room was just a, was just a great name. So I was kind of like the beginnings uh, of that. So I got to do that for a year and I was a ton of fun. Got to play whatever music I wanted on the, on the live uh, radio airwaves. So that was cool. And then uh, introduced me to like a lot of great people. So that was, that was a really fun experience. Being involved anywhere you are is, is, is very fulfilling. Very fun. 
I absolutely love that yeah. while you're in college, you were able to get to know more of like your heritage and, um, and the cultures yeah. around Mexican cultures. And that's, that's absolutely, you know, important you know, for us to learn more about, you know, where we come from and, uh, um, culture and behind it, you know, just building that community, you know, for whoever mm-hmm. you are, wherever you are, because, you know, you always find your people, you know, somewhere, but so I got, um, but I gotta ask, you know, Stefan, when you were you were learning and you know getting exposed to those cultures and uh, your heritage, how did that you know build your um, build your relationship and you know appreciation for for the matter? Oh man, it's just you know, um, just you appreciate like where you come from. You appreciate like the the common struggle your people your your culture has gone through and you know it's it's something that's very eye-opening you know like i was i was very privileged in the sense where both my parents uh attended college and graduated from a four-year incident and you know a lot of their parents none of their parents did for for the matter so um seeing them see how seeing how strong and 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 how they were able to persevere through navigating a four-year institution all on their own you know a lot davis is in like a it's a small farm town like 20 minutes west of sacramento it's almost 95 percent of the students there are from somewhere that's not that area so everyone leaves home everyone you know deals with the the struggle of being away from their home and in latino culture like family is like family very prevalent within our culture like you know it's not very often that like people leave like move across the country or move cities like most most people in the family stay within like a three hour, four hour driving distance, if not like a 20 minute driving distance of where you come from, because you want to remain close for holidays and for various family parties and events. So to see how a lot of my fellow brothers just, you know, left it all behind and to pursue an education and to, you know, make themselves better and grow their career and grow, you know, and try and and, and change their, their their family's like position, you know, it was just it was just it was really, it was really cool to see that. And to also for me to be a part of it, it was also very um, fulfilling as well. That's beautiful. Thank you for my answer, Stefan. I'm yeah, so man. happy that, you know, built your love for you know, your culture, people. So yeah, now let's break into big guns, uh, Stefan. So when you, um, uh, your co-host first started the bonus room podcast. What were some of the challenges you saw that you knew you had to uh, overcome to help keep this um, podcast and make it what it is? I think the, the most difficult part of starting a podcast was learning how to promote it. I mean, you you know, obvious the obvious uh, like Instagram and social media are probably the quickest and easiest ways to promote it. But even expanding beyond that. Um, you know, through word of mouth. And um, we knew that the content would be there. Also finding like our hosting voice. I'm sure like you kind of experienced that, you know, when you first start out, you know, you're kind of finding your host, you're kind of discovering your hosting abilities, you know, to uh, a strong voice and articulate mind and to ask good questions. And so those are things you kind of like try to develop as you're podcasting and you're only really learning over and over. Um, so that was definitely a struggle. But um, navigating the equipment, uh, I had to learn how to use all the different equipment. I mean, even though 
had a musical background. I had rarely used mixers before. And, uh, you know, I used GarageBand to record like my own instrument, but now I had to learn how to use it as editing software and um, learning how to use the different microphones, doing the research on what, what microphone works best, you know, which give you the highest quality or the best value for your money. Um, my microphone stands, you know, trying to like soundproof the room because you don't want to have a lot of echo because trying to make the the episodes the highest quality as we could was definitely one of our, um, one of our main, uh, one of our main goals of the pod. So dealing with all that, but once you get started, it's so fun, man. Like, um, find you, I always had like a list of questions I, I wanted to ask each guest and I wouldn't even get through like the first three, like by question two or three, you fall, you go on so many different tangents that, um, because it's so natural, uh, especially when you're with friends to, to just go into different tangents about different topics, but still staying with the central theme of the, of the episode. Um, it's just a lot of fun. So the preparation was definitely a struggle, um, learning how to prepare and then learning how to edit, learning how to mix, learning how to master, and then learning how to promote. Um, but I, all that is just is just through with time, you know. The more you do it, the the easier it gets. Yeah, so true. It's definitely a challenging uh, experience when you have to transition to being a full time um, podcast host and figure out everything needed to uh, get the get the show going from equipment to. Yeah, figuring out that um, hosting voice and figuring out how you're going to present yourself. And also figuring out social media, too, because we both know it's not easy uh, trying to, you know. That's a full-time job in itself. Yeah. It's a full-time job. Creating content for social media is a full-time job. You know, taking clippings of of your episodes or even adding, like, a a video element uh, to it, you know. Um, But also figuring out, also figuring out like like what type of like content what like what type of clips mm-hmm. like how you're editing it and promoting it like what particular style is really going to attract mm-hmm. those people too yeah and there's like tiktok now so i know like a lot of like uh big podcasters use tiktok as like a as like a way of uh you know promoting a podcast and I've, we never even tried tiktok we haven't we want to but it's just it's a learning I'm uh, learning a whole new social media uh, uh, software is just really tough to do, but um, a lot of the greats do it. And then also I would add to that also finding your niche audience. So what a lot of podcasters who I kind of like uh, spoke to to kind of get a pick, pick their brains about how to get it, you know, really going is, you know, finding, finding your niche audience. I think at first, and even throughout our, our podcast tenure, we've had, like you said, different topics. We've talked about music. We've do, done interviews with musicians. We've talk, talked about fit, talked about politics, um, sports. And so I think now as we're transitioning um, back into recording, I think we're going to focus more on our niche where we got the most downloads. And it seems like sports seems to be like um, our audience because that's where we get the most downloads and the most plays and the most like um, engagement with our audience. So I think that's also tough too, because you want to be, I, I wish I could be like Joe Rogan and just have a different guest, like from a different background and a different, uh, a different experience each episode. But really when you're starting out, you really should just focus on like, or at least what people have told me and I haven't even implemented it yet until probably now. Um, they should really focus on like one niche and that's kind of how you grow it from there. So, but struggling to do that is, is pretty hard. 
Yeah. Think about people like Joe Rogan and everything. Those kind of hosts, they're pretty much living cheat codes. Because if you're already like have your name known, it, you like you're already yeah. popular, and you start a podcast, it's like you already like people are well that podcast for you, like and like how mm-hmm. you're hosting everything, and so like you've already got found your audience right there. So it's just like one hundred percent. It's it's kind of cheating in a way because the rest of us have to figure everything out. Well, all you gotta do is just buy yeah. a studio. No, 100%. I mean, the interesting thing about Joe Rogan is that I think, well, he I guess he was like a stand-up comedian for a while, and then he did like Fear Factor and stuff, but he was actually one of the first like kind of celebrities to start a podcast, and he actually started with just interviewing like UFC fighters for every fight, which I think he still does. Um, I, don't, I don't really follow his podcast too frequently now, but like I know um, initially when he started it, he was only interviewing the fighters of whatever upcoming UFC event that was about to occur. And then as he gained his audience, he started to expand and interview different celebrities, comedians, actors, musicians, scientists. And now he like does everything. He does politicians, he does journalists, he does everything. So, um, but he's definitely like, I mean, I think he has like the most popular podcast in the world, if I'm not mistaken, or at least one of them. But um, yeah, but he was already a celebrity. He already had like an audience. He already had a following. So it was much easier for him to like, you know, grow his podcast for like guys like you and I, you know, we're only, we only have our social circles and then expanding beyond that is, is, is a real challenge of becoming a full-time podcaster. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. But you know, when you're, you brought up sports, that's your um, most popular uh, topic. And so what is some of your favorite things to go over when you're, um, on the uh, sports side of, of the bonus room? I think just the debate aspect of it, you know, uh, so the, the episode we're going to be recording um, in the next week is uh, it's going to be like our NFL season preview. So uh, my brother and I are big NFL fans. So, you know, we kind of discussed, uh, you know, the, the, the trending NFL topics about coaches or players, and then we kind of give our predictions on who we think is going to win each division who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to make the Super Bowl, and kind of just debate what our predictions are. So it'll probably be my brother and I and two other guests. And, um, you know, so if, like, one guy says, oh, I think uh, the L.A. Chargers are going to win the division, and then I can be like, what are you crazy? Why? What makes you think that? This, this team has never done anything or whatever, you know? Because it's really, it's really engaging, and, you know, and um, it sparks a lot of uh, topics for debate. So it's kind of fun, you know, and, and sports debate, shows are like pretty popular on cable television right now like you have you know like first take and fox sports with undisputed so um there's an interest from 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 the from from the audience to hear sports debate so that's kind of where we got in the most engagement um and so that's something we'll probably consistently uh record is like sports because we also like we're big nba and uh, i enjoy soccer um and then you have like I'm a big college sports fan as well, so we'll have. And the thing is, it's always changing. You know, every every week, though, it's always something new to talk about. Yeah, there's always something new to talk about. That is so true. Yeah. Question: Were you rooting for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Uh, who did they play? It was the Chiefs and. I was, um, I was rooting for the Eagles. 
Oh, the Eagles. That's right. No, you know, interestingly enough, if you go to our NFL preview podcast from last season, I actually picked the Eagles to 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 make it to the Super Bowl. I didn't say they win. I think I picked the Chargers and the Eagles, but I, I did have the Eagles making the Super Bowl. So that was actually kind of cool. And that's another cool thing about it too is that you know it's it's your predictions are on wax. So like they're there and they're time stamped, you know. So you can it's kind of cool to reference. Like, see, like I was right, or you can be like, oh, I was an idiot. Yeah, I was completely wrong. So that's that's another cool cool thing about um, doing sports episodes. But no, I had I, I think I was rooting for the Eagles because I, I like Philadelphia. I've been to that city, the city of brotherly love. I had a great time when I was there a few years ago. Um, Philly cheesesteaks are amazing. Um, it's a great city. You know, it's gritty. Reminds me a lot of Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I was rooting for the Eagles 100%. Yeah, I was rooting for the Eagles too. Imagine my disappointment. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed too, but bet Patrick Mahomes, he's just he's just that guy. So Yeah, I guess I guess so. It's hard to overcome. But you know, when you're going over these um all these different topics, I can imagine at times it feel a bit like overwhelming because I cause imagine you want to talk about, you know, movies, but then that one big thing in you know, music or sports happens and you're just like, oh, we should probably talk about this more. And so you're just constantly going back and forth. Like, um, you often like, like, how do you um, plan for these sort of like just different, um, different conversations? And this is just by like trend by just, um, we're gonna um I, I initially, I try to theme it. So like I knew October, I wanted to have like a, a Halloween themed uh, podcast where we discuss horror films. I think we did, I want to say we did two years in a row. Um, and then, did we do a Christmas episode? I, I thought we did. But um, no, I definitely wanted to like theme it uh, around the holidays. And then um, honestly, it's availability. It, it's really tough, um, you know, getting guests to, to find the time to get on. You know, we're all, we're all young adults or I get a bit older adults now, but we're all so busy in our, in our own individual lives. It's, it's really tough getting people set on like a date to come in. At first, when we used to actually have them come into the bonus room, that was really hard because, you know, we have friends who live in different parts of L.A. And if you're from L.A., you know, even if you're like five, ten miles away with traffic, it's it, it can be a lot longer. So it's hard to get people in uh, on a weekday to come in and record. I mean, now we have things like Zoom and this this new uh, software I learned about Riverside. So it actually makes it a lot easier. Um, but really, it, it, I, I hit up a bunch of different people saying, hey, I would love to do a podcast with you to discuss this topic. When are you available? And they may not be available a month or two. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll save that episode for then. And then until then, what do we got? Oh, well, I got this guy who's a musician. He said he can come on this week. So that's great. Let's bring him on. And, you know, the Super Bowl is just around the corner. Maybe we should do a Super Bowl episode. So um, it, it's really on like a week-to-week basis when you're doing it full-time. It's just, and it's really based off of people's ability. Uh, absolutely. But we both know as podcasters that – it's not just providing the best episodes possible, but it's also figuring out that, uh, you know, work-life balance because you're not mm. just, you know, a podcast host. You're also, you know, working a job. You know, you're living your own life mm-hmm. and uh, got different responsibilities. So have you found a way – have you found a way to balance that, you know, podcast now and everything else um, at these certain times? Right. I mean – 
when uh, when we were doing it full time, there, there was a period, I think, in our first year of doing a podcast, I think we we're pushing one out like one every other week or one every week. And I was, it was really time consuming because um, I, I would do all the editing. I would do all the mastering and then the uploading part of it. So, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you're aware like the editing. It can can be very can be very tedious, you know, Um you know, because I try to, I would try to always add like creative elements to it. So if we were like discussing films, uh, if I was discussing like a particular scene in that in that episode, I would actually try and look for the dialogue on like YouTube so I can play the the, the audio from that film during the podcast. If I was like, oh, I really love this scene in House of a Thousand Courses when blah blah blah, I look for that scene, take the audio, insert it into the episode, but I also have to like mix it to where like. It kind of fades in. This is a dialogue that's not so like abrupt. Um, when you're going from like a conversation to all oh, of a sudden you're in like a you're listening to like dialogue from the film. I try to like transition in a way where it was smooth and it was accessible to the listener. So um, that was really tough. And trying to add different creative elements to the episode to j- kind of just make it sound not only more professional but just more creative. Um, outside of it just being a conversation between three or four dudes. Um, so yeah, and that's that's all very time consuming it's like and like i said earlier the promotional aspect of it you could literally any podcaster can wishes i'm sure they could hire a guy or a person who just did promotion because that's a full-time job in itself um trying to think of creative ways to you know present your content is, is really tough and time consuming so learning different platforms that we've already discussed this but learning different platforms and um finding the best times to, to post, you know, because there's certain traffic during certain hours of the day. Those are all like time consuming things. So it's, 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 it's tough to balance, but if you have the passion for it and you're consistent, you know, it, it pays off. That's pay off. Let me ask what are the other um, strategies you've um, been able to come up with besides uh, social media where you would expand your pockets, expand your name in uh, different places to different people? I mean, just meeting people, uh, meeting people like you, you know, and, 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 you know, connecting. I mean, I know we connected because we both discussed how we, we had podcasts and, you know, there's an instant connection right there. And then um, also joining like Facebook groups of, of uh, independent podcasters. Uh, that was pretty helpful. Um, you know, cause people, you know, a lot of people are willing to support other independent podcasters just by even listening. Um, and just, yeah. So basically just through like, you know, expanding your social circles, you know, expanding your network and, and, you know, the, the primary focus is the content. I always figured, you know, in any art form, if it's good art, if it's good content, it will find an audience. So really focusing on making the content as good as possible whether that's having very intriguing guests or intriguing topics or making sure it's formatted in a way that's engaging or like I said earlier, like adding bits of dialogue from whatever film we're discussing or I think in our last podcast where we had a trans producer, it was a friend of mine named Sequence Six, he discussed one of his latest songs. Actually, just uh, He actually just released not too long ago, but he was, uh, we were lucky enough or give us a, a, a clip of it that when it was still in this production phase and you know adding that to the pod because you know like not only are we discussing his artwork you know you also want to like present it to the audience so 
you know, it's you could only describe things in so many words, but when you actually, you know, present it to them in its original format, it's, it's, it's a great way to wrap up the podcast. So doing things like that, thinking of different creative ways just to make the episodes engaging and making the content good, because then when you invite people to listen to it, you know, you have like a good product that's only going to get better with every episode. I think you said this is episode 43 for you, Jonathan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So you're killing it. You're, you're killing it with the consistency. And so every podcast is going to be better than the last. And um, so, you know, focusing on the content and really just trying to like network as much as possible are some of the, I think the best ways to grow the pod. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just, it's just like the time where, um, you know, you and I met, I was just uh, mm-hmm. used to be surrounded by new people every day join networking events too definitely helps mm-hmm. and just being you know, all different yeah. groups um, you know with that in mind is there any like particular like given your interest in you know movies music sports you know cultures are there any like particular groups outside of like podcasting that you've joined where you just found your interest being just further like just strengthened by um all, all different people you were meeting man you know since since graduated from undergrad not not really i haven't joined too many groups outside of my own social circle you know i think with the podcasting and then having like your own social life um and then your work life your professional career it, it's People who find the time to do more outside of that is, is, is really tough. I am, um, I do DJ sometimes. Uh, I DJed in high school and in college, so sometimes I'll, I'll play gigs, and so that's that takes some time too. But um, that's something I definitely, as I said, as I referred to earlier, that uh, you know, once once I have like, once I have a more uh, uh, stable kind of uh, schedule. I'd love to, you know, go to the Baked Potato, which is like a famous like jazz club in North Hollywood, and they have open mic nights, and just you know, take my clarinet and have a cocktail, and you know, join a session or yeah, joining right. groups like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even joining like a intramural sports team in my in my neighborhood. You know, doing stuff like that would be really fun, and you know, you get to meet different people, you know, and build relationships. So. Um, Sorry. I don't know if you can hear my dog. My dog's sneezing. I, hope. Is okay. I don't know if you can hear him, but he's making his own little, uh, he's making his own little, uh, Pierre. Okay. He's good. He's good. All right. Got a dog. Yeah. A little cameo on the pot today. He's a French bulldog. I love bulldogs. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. 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 Yeah, I love them. Yeah. That's my yeah, guy. I have, a, I have a terrier mix. He's oh nice, than, yeah. He's more than a handful, but yeah, we love him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But nice. uh, in any case, yeah, it's simply just it's not just for promoting podcast, but podcast, but the chance to just be out and you know meet other people, like hear their interests mm-hmm. or disinterests, just hear their stories. It just makes you love just having this conversation. It makes you love just having guests on your show even more, mm-hmm. as you think, because now you've grown more, you've heard from more people. You're just, it makes you love conversation all that mm-hmm. much more. It's, it's honestly beautiful. No, yeah, 
Yeah, uh, I would I would say that uh, second to last episode, most recent, we actually. Um, so my father, he's really involved in like, local politics. It's one of his his, his interests, and um, we were able to get two judicial candidates um, who were on the ballot last fall actually come onto our podcast and discuss the judicial shift the judicial system, excuse me, and um, their candidacy. And so that was really cool because um, I'm not too heavily involved in politics, but like getting to hear their stories and, you know, their journeys through law schools, they, they were both, uh, they're both females and they both came from, uh, they both had minority backgrounds. And so hearing their journey from, you know, growing up uh, in their community, going to law school, becoming a, uh, become a lawyer now wanting to run for um, county judge was, was really interesting. So that was one of my favorite episodes because I got to learn so much about the, the judicial judicial system yeah, as well as, you know, what, yeah, as well as what it's like to be a political candidate and how you have to, you know, build a vote build a voter base and attend community events. And, you know, that in itself being this 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 huge journey for them so it was it was really a great episode and it was we actually had kind of like a live audience there was like a small little town hall because we had um a meet and greet for the judges for the members of our community so that was interesting too so yeah meeting the different guests and hearing about their stories is just one of the most fulfilling aspects of, of hosting a podcast yeah see that see just that opportunity to just hear their stories learn from them it's mm -hmm. there's nothing better and you have to do it on your show just bring out that that sounds like an amazing episode like, i wish i could yeah could have been and they actually show. they both ended up winning they both ended up winning in their district so <laughs> so that was, that was cool <laughs> did they, yeah. did they personally, did they personally yeah. shout out the the bonus room uh i mean i don't know uh they, I don't know if that like acceptance speeches that were like broadcasted or anything, but they definitely shot us an email saying, Hey, thank you for the exposure, whatever exposure we provided. Um, they are really thankful for that and um, getting the opportunity to not only meet us, but meet like members of my community in Island Park. That was, that was very fulfilling for them. So that was, that was really cool to see that. That is super cool. And I could just be like, Hey, uh, those candidates who are in seats now, you know, just, Come on to our show. Hear it, hear it for, <laughs> for yourselves. Like, yeah, you know, we, yeah, we yeah. it was them. awesome. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, incredible. exactly. I also told him, like, hey, like, if I ever end up in court, you know, just maybe uh, yeah. don't be so hard on me for whatever I did. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I helped y'all. Please help me. Um, <laughs> exactly. So um, just two more questions left, uh, Stefan. Sure. Yeah. First, um, question how do you see the bonus room just getting bigger and bigger from here man um i think it's really just about one just being consistent you know putting out episodes consistently producing them and then also just like like i said i think something we're going to try this year is just really focus on our niche with teams which seems to be sports uh sports debate so i think that's something we're going to kind of focus on and just maybe uh you know theme our podcast around that but i mean i'm still very i have i've had people come up to me and say yo like those those episodes you did where you interviewed musicians were really cool or those episodes where um you discussed health and fitness or you know i think we interviewed like a ram cheerleader once which was pretty cool um so there are people who enjoy like 
um, those episodes that aren't particularly based around sports, but are, you know, are just based around learning more about people, you know, kind of like this one, kind of like your podcast, upcoming podcast, where you just learn people on their journeys. So I would still love to incorporate some episodes uh, doing that. It just maybe won't be as frequent as like the sports ones. Um, but yeah, that's definitely how I see it growing, you know, and just, you know, I still have a lot of friends who are in the arts who are either musicians or work in film or who are actors. And I also have friends who are like lawyers or who work in finance. Um, so bringing them on to kind of, you know, share their journeys, I think will be really, will be really engaging for the audience. So continuing to have that, uh, unique and diverse, um, guest pool, but also I think consistently focusing on like the sports and kind of expanding from that. Perfect. Yes. A Ram cheerleader. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a cool episode too. That was a good friend of mine. Shout out Alina. She told us her story on what it's like to be a cheerleader and also to become a cheerleader, what they have to go through and what they have to, you know, not only mentally deal with, but also physically the things they have to do with is, is really, uh, it's really eye opening. You know, the, you, you know, a lot of times we forget leaders on the sidelines, but hey, they, they worked really hard to be on that field. So, you know, grow this new appreciation for even the, even, even the cheerleaders. I sure did. And so my last question, Stefan, what has, let me, let me be specific. From all the conversations you've had, all the people you've met, all the groups you've joined, all the things you did both during college and outside of college, how has it built your love and appreciation for just relationships and meeting other people? Yeah, no. Um, one thing I've learned thus far in like in my young life is that relationships are important. You know, um, growing up, I was kind of an introvert. You know, um, I had like kind of a small group of friends, and so I wasn't. I kind of like staying within my own in my own comfort zone, but no, as I, as I just to school and, um, went to, you know, grew in my career, I realized how important relationships are. Like, you know, you can't, you can't do anything on your own, you know, it, it really takes a community. Um, and it really, it really takes other people to help you get to where you want to be in life, whether that's in academia or in business or in a professional sphere, you really need others to kind of help you get you there because no one knows it all, you know? you're naive to think if you know how to do it by yourself because no one did it by themselves. No one, anyone who's ever been successful, they didn't do it by themselves. So, you know, really understanding the importance of relationship and, and not, not only them, but, you know, keeping them, you know, and, you know, it's things as simple as like, you know, checking in, you know, once or twice a year, if you don't see them often, you know, it's, it's something as simple as that you know, um, and, and just building a, a mutual bond, and, you know, those, those relationships can not only provide comfort and reassurance when you may need it, but also, you know, may, may provide an opportunity. So it's, it's, it's not only building those relationships, but also keeping them. And that's something that I've learned. I learned a little later than I wish I would have, but understanding now that, you know, it, it requires you to, you know, extend yourself and, and be an extrovert and be willing to talk to people and be willing to ask questions and be willing to hear their story. And if the opportunity arises, tell your story and, you know, find mutual interests and, um, you know, those being the foundations of your, of your relationship. 
There you have it. There you have it right there. All On the right. upcoming pod. On the upcoming pod. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for episode 43 of the upcoming. I just want to give another big thank you to my guest, the incredible Mr. Safan Lozano. Thank you so much for hopping on and sharing everything with us. Well, thank Safan. you. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I, so, I I appreciate you. I appreciate the invitation to come on, you know, and it was, it was a pleasure meeting you back at that networking event, you know, and see a relationship like this has built an opportunity. And, and I would love for you to come on to, on the bonus room, man. I'm, I'm, I would love to get you in studio too, if you don't mind coming out to, to Northeast LA and coming in and sharing your story. You know, that sounds, that sounds great. Sounds absolutely yeah. great. I have to do so. a home and home. <laughs> yeah there you go so as i said folks that is it for uh, this episode of the upcoming be sure to continue to follow us on instagram and twitter at the underscore upcoming podcast and also be sure to continue to follow every episode you know we're on spotify amazon music google podcast stitcher iHeartRadio. uh not yet apple Podcasts. sorry about that folks but you know there's all those other places you can find us also on the um the underscore um, no, sorry, the dash upcoming dot simplecast.com. You can find our website also um, in the in the bios of our social media. And yeah, just just continue stream um, tune in for more episodes of the upcoming. So we can subscribe, man. To go. Subscribe, exactly. You know, because we are far from done here, folks. So there you go. Just stay tuned. And with that being said, good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. Best yet to come. Take care, everybody.